you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. It's the Dave Damashek Football Program, starring Dave Damashek. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 33 of the Dave Damashek football program, available at davedamashek.nfl.com. And of course, on iTunes. Subscribe, won't you? Thanks so very much. All right, we sit here in between weeks 9 and 10 of the NFL season, going gangbusters for some, miserably for others, and surprising. Uh, you know, for you know, in a good way and in a bad way, depending on what teams we're talking about. Let's break it down now with my old pal from NFL.com, from NFL Fantasy Live, the author of the Great Pick Six segment. Let's play his theme music. It's Adam Rank. Still happy with that one, Ray? I love it. I mean, I don't care for fries or gravy, but I like it. I think it's catchy. I, well, it's, we got to do. Oh, you know what? That we got to do. We got to do. That's right. You said last week you like the song. You like the effort right. out of the one man house band, Dick Banks. But you are not a fries guy. You like your potatoes mashed. I don't even like them mashed. I avoid you know. potatoes. Yeah. How is it possible you achieved that? Yeah, a man of your carriage achieved this size without uh, indulging in the potato. You know what's really depressing is you listen to those Blue Shield commercials and they're like, "Here's all the tips that you want to do: no mayo, no potato." I'm like, I do all of that. Where is it coming from? Oh, the beer. <laughs> yeah, I was disappointed to learn. I know the beer isn't good for you, but I've, you know, I've gained, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, Adam, but no, you I, look good. I don't I, know. I put well, on a couple of pounds fine. in the season. You know, I thought I was doing myself a favor by going to the red wine. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. Apparently that's high in calories too. clear alcohols are the way to go. But don't the Frenchmen, don't they keep the weight off by uh, by drinking the wine? And they eat, they eat all the bread, too. Like, yeah, how is that no possible? Sense. I don't get it. I guess we, if you don't work, I guess you got time to burn it off. Well, listen, we have a lot to talk about, but at some point very soon. Let's try to. Are you saying that about me? You're saying that I have an easy schedule, do you? That's not exactly. I thought you were talking about the French for a moment. No, the French don't work. That's what I'm talking about. Is that what you're saying? The French don't work at all. That's not a dig at Damashek, then. No. Is it? Why are you feeling a little like it is? I'm feeling a little paunchy, so I don't know if you're taking a shot at me. But anyway, listen, here's what I'm saying. At some point soon, let's do our list of the best potato preparations. Okay. Because it's an important list. It's one of the more important ones. In fact, the Shecky Awards are right around the corner. We're almost at the end of December, so we'll put it together at least in time for that. But right now, let's talk about what we've seen at the halfway point in the season. We're going to be joined in just a moment here by our old pal, the Blue Horseshoe, because he's not just an NFL expert. He's also a college football expert, and I want to kibitz with him a little bit, and he's also an L.A. guy, and I'll be interested to hear his thoughts on our little 
little conversation that we had last week about one Magic Johnson being superior to Michael Jordan. Okay. Which I is, said Magic, though, right? Yeah, you said Magic. Okay. I wanted Why to make sure like because – no, because some people I was – you know, read things, I hear things. I For some reason I thought, was I saying that Siddell 3 was better? Than Michael Jordan because All everybody right. it's com- everybody was completely like magic like it wasn't that ridiculous but it was it was not uh, it wasn't your finest moment that's for no sure. I was abs- I was spot on okay listen here's what what I want to say is we got into that argument because as we do with each episode we honor the player the the football player and the athlete who wore that number best we were right. on episode thirty two and so we got into a conversation Jim Brown O J Simpson. Uh, Magic Johnson, you declared Magic the best of all time. Let's do it right now with episode number 33, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, number 33. We could start there. Great one. Tony Dorsett, who, by the way, a lot of people call Dorsett, but because I'm from Pittsburgh, same Mm -hmm. same neck of the woods as Dorsett, when I interviewed him a number of years ago, I said, listen, I know you became fancy when you moved down to the Big D and became Dorsett, but can you grandfather me in? Can you kiss me into the (laughs) Dorsett? pronunciation that you had back in your pit days and he said uh, he said yes to that. absolutely so, so you can do it but i cannot no 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 you shouldn't do it no, I, shouldn't. I mean do it at your own no uh, no no you no, know no. dorset yes for you now dorset we've talked about dorset we've talked about uh, we talked with gil brandt and uh, and a number of is other he the one who underrated underrated i know absolutely. he's one considered one of the all-time greats but probably one of the half dozen best running backs and people don't seem to categorize him in that way Kind of unbelievable that a Dallas Cowboy and a Hall of Famer could be considered underrated, but it's absolutely true because he's not talked about in those conversations about the greatest running backs. You would have more people talking about Emmett Smith. I bet you you're right about that, and that's that's who he and applesauce, of course. Absolutely. But 33, one of the great numbers in sport. You have Larry Bird. Yep. Let's not forget him. Probably Magic Johnson superior. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't like you don't think so? Not you don't think chance. Larry Bird was as good as Magic? I don't think, and it, nobody's making that. I get the Michael Jordan Nobody one. makes that argument. I bet well, you'd Boston, find some people Boston from fan, the New England area who might Bo- engage in that Biased with you. Boston fans who aren't. <laughs> yeah, they don't have, we have anybody they don't express have, a biased sports opinion on this show. They, they, they don't have the basketball IQ. I see. Oh, Boston. is that what it comes yeah, down to? Oh, they're, okay. They're very biased. Right, they're that's very, fair. They're very that's biased. They're very one-sided. <laughs> Tough but fair. Patty Waugh, Patrick Waugh, arguably the greatest netminder in puck the history. bastard. Sammy Baugh, Patrick Ewing, Scotty Pippen. Who wasn't very good, apparently. Who, Scotty Pippen? Yeah, because Michael Jordan apparently had nobody, no supporting cast. Well, so that's ridiculous. Scottie but Pippen I will say, on this list. the way, in the same way that you, that, that, uh, you say that, listen, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yep. was in his prime still when Magic arrived. Stop acting Ten like he carried late. Kareem. He was in his 11th year. He was 32, 33. Right. So that, I mean, his prime was probably a few years before. It's not decrepit. He's starting point. to slow down a little bit for a big man. The great Horace Wagner. Oh, yeah. He's 33. Mm-hmm. Marcus Allen at USC. Mm-hmm. We talked with him over at the Hall of Fame about his number change to 32. I encourage you to dig that one up. Roger Craig, who probably deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray, of course. And uh, Jose Canseco. Boy, that's a tough Canseco. one. What do you say there, Ollie Ryan? Matson was a great uh Chicago Cardinal, Los Angeles Ram, for quite some time. Recently passed away. He's another one. If you're going to go way back, which I, don't I know go, you, you know, don't. I don't, I like know to you go don't. Way back. I don't. That's like okay. I like. What about Reggie Rucker? Reggie Rucker, number thirty-three for the Cardiac the, Kids, the Browns. The Browns. Brian Sipes, was one of his the, favorite. Uh, was target. he the intended target for Red Right eighty-eight? 
I don't, I'm not sure. I don't. Was he? No, I think it was Ozzie Newsom. Yeah, the uh, the game, the divisional round game that they lost in Cleveland to the Raiders. And I, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Don Cockroft, the straight on kicker, should have kicked, tried to make the kick and give him the win, 15-14. But he had missed two. I know, but you still kick it there. You don't yeah. throw the ball no, into the end zone there. Also, Zarly Zalapsky, one of the great names in uh, NHL history, and I think number 33 also was worn by maybe the greatest hockey name of all time. I love Chichu, Tamu, Solani, and so on. But Ilka Sinisilo might well be the greatest name I've ever heard in my life. Didn't Alex Zitnik also wear 33? Um, God, I'm trying that to sounds right. Anyway, let's move on to football now. And uh, so the we'll, best football player. So, oh yeah, we do have to Tony, name it. Tony I'm Dorsett. going Dorset. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to go Dorset. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I know people would say Kareem. Some would say Bird. I'm going Tony Dorset. Of all sports, it's Kareem. You think so? Kareem over Dorset, all time leading scorer. He retired as the all time leading scorer. It's kind of hard to argue with that. Yeah, but he was carried to those titles <laughs> by magic. According well, he did, to you, you know what? He did hang around for a couple of more Shaq years. Shaq Fu wore thirty three too, didn't he? Now that's that uh, rings a bell for At me. At some didn't point, he? With the magic he had, Well, I thought he was thirty two with the Magic, maybe thirty four with the Lakers, and then I don't. He all I mean, right, he, enough. He, enough. Wore, he wore thirty. Oh. Enough's enough, Rank. Let's just move on. Can we move on? Is Let's that all right by you? And by the way, I just finished recording. It's a hectic day for me. I just finished re- shooting a uh, a very uh, a turbulent shame report. Shame There's report. There's a lot of shame out there right now, and I had to take down a few people. So I took care of that. And um, but I want to talk about what we saw in Week Nine. A lot of a lot of big storylines. And but let's first bring in our old pal. We worked with, you know, we know him at AccuScore. We know him from, uh, you know, from from his conversations on the old ESPN show I did. He's a, it's our old pal, the Blue Horseshoe. He's the Blue Horseshoe. He's the Blue Horseshoe. Computers, he'll calculate who beats who. He's the blue Ah, oh, that still sounds great. I love that song. That's maybe Dick Banks' finest work there. How are we, Shu? I didn't know if that was my theme song or my ringtone. I love. Is that still your ringtone? I of hope. Of course. Yeah, good. It's that a good Boomer one. Sooner, but that is just fantastic. All right, we got to talk. Yeah, Boomer Sooner. I want to talk college football for sure. As a matter of fact, uh, Rank over here made a point of saying that we have to get uh, the shoe in here to yap college football. Mm-hmm. You're versatile in the conversations going between pro and college. But let's start with uh, the midway point in the season. We just crossed over week nine. Pretty much every so. It was, so this is essentially, I guess, the halfway point in the season, and. The thing that stands out to me, the Week 9 headlines, of course, the Patriots losing again and uh, losing the way they did in the last minute to Eli Manning, and then Joe Flacco pulling one out in Heinz Field. To me, those are the two big stories right now on the AFC side, and then, of course, the Packers casting that enormous uh, uh, shadow over the rest of the NFC there. Let's start out with the N- with the AFC playoff picture. Before the season began, Shu, we brought you in. We did our projections. Rank said who he thought, how the teams are going to be seated one through six in both conferences. So did I, and so did you. Let's check on those right now. And it's amazing that reality shows us that the Cincinnati Bengals are not just in charge of the AFC Central, but, I mean, the AFC North, I'm still calling it the Central, the uh, the North, but they're actually the number one seed in the AFC. This is, this is loco, no? 
I mean, it's it's definitely not anything that we would have thought with uh, Andy Dalton taking over for Carson Palmer. But looking at our projections right now, we think the Bengals have peaked. We don't see them doing uh, what they uh, did in the first half and the second half. Their probability of only of winning the division is just under 30%, and that's being as the number one seed currently. So they're going to come back to the field all so the real story coming out of Week 9 is Baltimore's last-minute win against Pittsburgh because Baltimore and Pittsburgh now have the same amount of wins, six wins each. But Baltimore, who we saw was just a percentage difference to be our pick at the beginning of the year, now takes a lead of 44% over 26% from Pittsburgh, holding the sweep over the Steelers. So that was the biggest win that we saw coming out of the weekend because of the impact that it has with the playoffs. What's the probability of three teams – from the AFC North making it to the playoffs? Well, it really depends on what happens with the Jets. I mean, the Jets are rounding into form again. I mean, this is typical of the Jets team. They seem seem to get better as the weather gets cold. We think Buffalo is going to fade. We think the Jets are going to get stronger. The probability uh, right now looks good for Cincinnati based on the fact that they were able to stockpile a 6-2 first half of the season. But again, as each loss comes to Cincinnati's win-loss record, you're going to see that playoff probability rapidly decline. And as soon as the Jets win their next game and Cincinnati loses their next, the Jets are going to become a clear wild-card favorite for us. Well, and by the way, Shu, just to make sure we're clear, when you say we think this is what our projections are, you're talking about AccuScore.com, the 10,000 simulations of every game played, and uh, your evil computers, you you abide by them too much. It's my opinion that you're you're too... Uh, married to these computers, they're going to turn on you, and they're going to be man's undoing. I've yeah, seen but unfortunately, you know we've talked. I, but you, you're doing what you're doing, and but you won't book me on my on your show for my looks or for my ability no, to McRib or anything else. It's, I want to talk McRib if we have the opportunity. We'll go too. McRib. I don't know, that's another just that's like a, just like Rank defends uh, his Waterloo is Magic Johnson over Michael Jordan. Yours is trying to defend. Look, I had McRib. a humiliating open opening weekend with McRib. Glad it's back. Uh oh. <laughs> well, that's a juicy story that we'll have to get to. But listen, the Cincinnati Bengals. This to me is I referenced Sam Ritigliano and the Cardiac Kids in nineteen eighty. This is similar to me. John Harbaugh and these Ravens are so obsessed with beating the Steelers. This is what I talked about on the Shame Report today. They're so fixated on beating them, Ahab-like in their in their obsession, that they lose sight of the Bengals. That's the team that's actually in charge of the division right now. And you say they're going to fade. I'm stunned that you say 30% likelihood of them winning the division. Now, the Bengals have four games left with the Steelers and Ravens. But I'll tell you what, if, if, had the Steelers beaten the Ravens, they'd be 7-2, and two, and they would be the number one seed right now mm-hmm. in the AFC. As it is now, though, if the Steelers go out to Cincy and lose that game, they're in real jeopardy, or jeopardy of even getting into the playoffs. And I don't think there's any reason to think that it's 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 uh, a long shot that the Bengals are going to pull that game out this Sunday. I think that's a scary spot there. And I also think in the AFC East, the, the, it's a monumentally important game for the Patriots and Jets hooking up there. I'm inclined to agree with you more about the uh, Bills fading than I am about the, uh, the, uh, about the Bengals. But whoever wins that game, if the or whoever loses that game, I should say, in uh, in the East is in real trouble again of getting into the postseason. If the if the Patriots lose that game, boy, they're sitting at six and four. They don't have the tiebreaker over the Steelers. 
they're really then then they're then they've got a route for the Ravens to win their division and or r- r- for some for somehow for the Steelers to come back and win that division so that they at least have the tiebreaker over the Ravens in, in that one. It's it's getting a little muddy there, but I I really do believe that the Bengals can get it done this weekend. And if I'm right about that, they this could be one of those situations where the Ravens and Steelers are are so fixated on one another that the Bengals sneak in the back door and get it done. Yeah, but bear in mind also that as we create our projections, we also do based on probability looking ahead of what we think is going to come out of each week. We don't think Cincinnati will beat Pittsburgh. I mean, they easily at could. All. I mean, not at all. I mean, not, not going to. No, it's just it, we've only had in the history of AccuScore, we've only had one team that in the NFL that had a 0% chance of winning, and that I believe came in week 14 when the Patriots had their undefeated run. But, I mean, look, Cincinnati's got a slugger's chance, but you're still playing – they still play a very defensive style of offense, almost LSU-Alabama-like, not getting in trouble, managing the game. You can't take anything away from what they've done, but we're simply going to say that they're not going to be favorites. They're going to be decided underdogs when they play Pittsburgh this weekend. And if they lose, every time that they lose on a weekend that the Jets win, it's going to be a big hit to their playoff chances. And it's one of those things in the NFL, too, that we don't talk enough about. Desperate teams in need of a victory always pull it out. And we're talking about good teams. I'm not talking about the Arizona Cardinals are desperate and they need to win. No. It's a team. If you're a good team and you need to win, I don't have the probability. I don't use the evil Skynet computer. But I can tell you through my own eyes, the Steelers will win just based on that. The Eagles will beat the Cardinals just because they need the win. And stuff like, and you can look to it, and it's always these cases. The Steelers will win this week. I like, I like the Steelers' chances still. I like the Bengals still because Andy Dalton, Red Dalton, as we like to call him, is a good quarterback. AJ Green. They've got nice skill players that'll give them a chance to win. They've got a better defense than Buffalo, so I see them getting separated from them. So it comes down to what you say: the Jets, the Patriots and then the three teams in the North because there's nobody else coming out of the South and there's nobody else coming out of the West. I agree. And by the way, can I say this? I'd like to – I'm burying the lead as we talk about the AFC. I declared it last week on Twitter. You can follow me uh, at Damashek on Twitter, at Adam Rank on Twitter. The – I declared this, and I got no small amount of grief from, from uh, from the followers out there because I declared the Houston Texans as the best team in the AFC. Stars are aligning for them, no doubt. The rest of the teams in that division aren't that good. The Titans, without Kenny Britt at least, are sort of are, are fading away. I think they're 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 victimized by that loss. The Texans, however, they don't have Andre Johnson or Mario Williams right now, and they keep on winning, and they're winning in a very... It's ironic, as a matter of fact, that as the whole league seems to be throwing the ball 60% of the time, the, tight, the, the Texans, who were playing that kind of ball, lousy defense, throwing the ball all over the place, are doing it very traditionally pounding Arian Foster and Ben Tate as well and then their secondary which was a joke for so long is actually playing very well even without Mario Williams that defense is pretty good I think the Texans are going to end up because by by virtue of what rubbish they get to play the rest of the way in their Mm -hmm. own division they're going to wind up with the top overall seed and looking at the way you and me rank have it and uh and uh shoe you have your rankings over there at the start of the season, I said Patriots with the top seed. You said Patriots with the top seed as well. I had the Texans as the number two. I, that's the worst they're going to wind up, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have them at a 92% chance to win the division. 
I mean, that's I mean that's stacked. I mean, they're going to win the division. They have a one-game lead in the last column right now against Tennessee. Tennessee is completely overachieved from our point of view to get to 4-4 four and four at the midway point. I mean, we, we feel like we have a good beat on Houston. We're 7-2 and two this season and accurately predicting who's going to win Texan games. So looking forward to say that we project uh, Houston to finish with a 10-6, and 11-5 mark is not very far off, especially that if you take a look that the North is going to start beating each other up and what's going to happen with the AFC East with another matchup with New England and New York. It's also important to note how the schedule's set up in the NFL. The schedule maker puts bad teams against bad teams early on in the season and good teams against good teams in the front part of the season. And that's oftentimes why you have a team like Cincinnati who can win these coin flip games time and time again, all of a sudden assert themselves to a 6-2 and two front side and then have, be facing some really trouble and the need to prove themselves on the back. I want to move on to the – I get what you're saying. So the Texans are doing well. They, I think we would both agree that they – if I'm Dan Rather right now, I'm already calling this the AFC South is over. We've projected Houston to win. They're in the playoffs. Congratulations, city of Houston, the team you stole from Los Angeles. You guys are in the playoffs for the first time. Let's go to the AFC West. One question, how does the – The worst division in football, by the way. We have to point out that is they've replaced the NFC West now. How How is that worse than the NFC West right now? Because there's no team over 500. There are three, four, and four teams, and Tim Tebow is a game back. That's how. There's a good the, the, the NFC West has the Niners, one of the best teams in the league. Who actually? Okay. Who, that was my prediction, by the way. I'm going to take that victory lap right now. So I picked. I picked the Niners to win that division too. Fist well, let's not give it up because I I think my Cardinals are going to make a run. But <laughs> if you look right now, the if you were ranking the eight Western teams, you'd go Frisco one. And then the three top AFC West teams by a far margin ahead of Seattle, Arizona, the St. Louis FC. And then even Denver's better than the St. Louis FC. Denver's probably better than Arizona. Actually, those the four AFC West teams might sandwich San Francisco and the three curtain jerks. Wow, well, that's something you should be familiar with because that's exactly how things set up for the Lakers in the Western Conference <laughs> in the 80s. They were, they, were, they were great and everybody else was dreadful. I don't even want to get into this, and I don't even want to talk about all the. There were good teams in the in the West. This is a total biased opinion of the East Coast. Oh yeah, the the Bucks, like the Bucks, they were a great team. They played one team. They played the Seventy Sixers. The Sixers were a fine organization. Bob Lanier and Sidney Moncrief were actually good players. That was a legitimate team. And there weren't good teams in the West. Not Phoenix, good. Golden State, some of these other. Not nearly as good as what they had to annually go through the Celtics. I don't want to get into that. Look, I think the problem with the ranks argument here, which I don't disagree with anything you said and how you would rank them, that once you get past the 49ers, every single game is a coin flip. You're not going to tell me that Denver is going to dominate St. Louis if they played ten times. They're going to split five and five, and Tebow's going to look great, and Tebow's going to look horrible, and whoever's playing quarterback is going to look good for the Rams, and maybe they'll look good or maybe they'll look bad. It is just the fountain of mediocrity for both of those two divisions. How does the computer factor in God, who's on Tebow's side? Well, I mean, in college football, we gave it a lot of uh, credibility. In pro football, it's not as much because a lot of guys give it up to God. Well, I don't want to spend too much time on the lousy West, but 
I, you know, I, I guess the Chargers are going to do what they do more often than not over the last seven or eight years. They're going to end up winning that crummy division, and everybody will say, oh, this is a team I wouldn't want to face in the playoffs, and then there'll be an easy out for mm-hmm. somebody, and that'll be that. But Unless the Niners, the we'll get to the NFC, but it's worth also noting, the Niners, the thing you always hear about is, you know, the, the Chargers, so their undoing is always that they don't travel well to the East, that these West Coast teams can't, do, can't uh, get up for these games and so on and so forth. The Niners, 4-0, and journeying to the East this year. Pretty impressive. Not only are they impressive, it's the it's Harbaugh's style of coaching, which is impressive. If you see a lot of the behind-the-scenes footage that you can get in this day and age, he's taking an approach of being positive with his players. And not being overly like Herm Edwards type positive, but positive affirmation, let them, letting them know that they can succeed. And you've seen a complete transformation in Alex Smith. They've done exactly what you should do with a horrible division where you're the second best team is two and six and you're seven and one. You start to believe in yourself. And then you start to look at how it does set up. Unlike uh, Seattle last year, who got in at seven with their record and still got to play in the first week, San Francisco is going to get a home game in the divisional round. And that's going to count for a lot because they're going to be playing a team at home that needs to travel, at, you know, uh, and who's probably going to be beaten up. San Francisco will be the number two seed. I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah, I agree with that. But all right, listen, uh, let's stay with the AFC for, for just one second here. And, um, and for, well, you mentioned Harbaugh. I want to make this point. How great is that game going to be? I, I love the Thanksgiving Day game of the Packers and the Lions. I'm going to make a big statement in just a minute here when we get to the NFC. But let me just say that the best game maybe of that day is going to be Harbaugh versus Harbaugh. Fine, they both are good. They're, trans- they're transformative coaches. I get it that the Harbaugh brothers are both good at that. But give me the Ryan boys any day. How great was the was the bum bump between <laughs> Rex Ryan and Santonio Holmes? I don't know if it was a good idea for Santonio to do that. I'm uh, I'm thankful for his sake that he didn't suffer a uh, season-ending injury when bumping bums with uh, <laughs> with Ryan. But I like they're they're more fun. I would rather hang out with the Ryan boys than the uh, than the Harbaugh well, boys the any har- day of the week. The Correct, Harbaugh's Frank? Were- do you agree with that? I suppose, but when it, it gets old, the the Ryan stick gets old. It's like. They're like FM DJs. Like you get, you're sick of their stick after about what has it been now? Two years. This is Rex Ryan's third year there. All his predictions, all his stuff. I'm over that. What I like, I like John Harbaugh. I don't know if you saw this story. John Harbaugh cut himself celebrating after that game. He went to the press conference with a bloodied chin from beating the Steelers in a regular season game. And and you like this. It's week nine. What is wrong with the Ravens organization, their obsession with the Steelers? Don't they see that it ultimately consumes them? That yeah. it's, you hear, hear me. This is the crazy statement I'm going to make. The Seattle Seahawks are going to beat them this week. That's the way the Ravens do it. They, show, they get so up for these games. They're like a college football team. They really mm-hmm. are. They get so amped up to play the Steelers that they fall flat almost always in the following week. They're going to lose to Seattle. But the Gatorade bath and the celebrating and the quoting of Teddy Roosevelt in the post-game press <laughs> conference, what is going on? It's two weeks before Thanksgiving. Rain it in, man. You got half a regular season they, yet to go here. As the old saying goes, they need to act like they've been there. That's exactly and right. It's they're shameful. not acting like they've been there this because is n- yes, they had a multi, the- multi-touchdown lead with the ball last year at Pittsburgh. And if they wanted it, they could have taken it then. We still believe in the Ravens. We think that they're going to win the division. They're still going to be tough in the playoffs. But I don't think you exercise your demons by beating a team in the NFL during the regular season. 
You just don't. That's regular, exactly right. Maybe in college football, but not in, not in the pros. And let me say this to you, too. I had the Ravens going to the Super Bowl in the preseason. I said the Ravens were going to go to the Super Bowl. I stand by that, but this really jars my confidence in that happening. Just to review in the AFC, I went Patriots 1, Texans with the second seed, Chargers at number three. I think that that flip-flops. Ravens probably get the number three, and the Chargers get the four. Steelers at five. I'll stand by that one. And then rank duped me into this one. I almost I almost said the Bills. I almost did, but I said the Dolphins, and that's not looking very good. Had But, you know, that's pretty good four out of five. Rank, you went Patriots, Chargers, Ravens, Titans. Look good for a little while. They're not as good now. I, I would blame that on Kenny Britt. Dolphins as your five seed. That's even worse. And then the Steelers. <laughs> but look who's here right now. It's our main man from across the pond. <laughs> He's handsome Hank from England, handsome from England, he's handsome Hank from England, handsome from England, he's handsome Hank from England, handsome from England. His name is Handsome Hank. He's handsome Hank, he's handsome Hank, he's handsome Hank. It's Handsome Hank. How are you, Handsome? Good, Dave. Thanks. How are you? It's a pleasure to see you, and uh, I'd like to introduce you to the Blue Horseshoe over there. Blue nice Horseshoe, to meet, you. meet Handsome Hank. Uh, now, I, I wanted to bring you in to talk about the Chargers specifically because that was a bad loss. I mean, they, they had the nice little comeback after Phil Rivers basically threw them out of the game. He, he threw them back into it in the second half against the Packers, but can't um, blame them too much for dropping a game to that team. That team's obviously dandy. But um, I, after the game, completely unnecessarily, in my opinion, a source, an unnamed source, goodness knows what that means, made some uh, some pretty nasty remarks about Antonio Gates. And like we like to have you do here, Handsome Hank, from across the pond, you read these to try and, with your, with your glorious British accent, put them in the best possible light so that maybe we can stomach them easier than we otherwise might. Read these comments from this unnamed Charger source about Antonio Gates. Okay, this is going to be a bit of a stretch. I'm not sure I can make this sound any better. It's harsh to say, but he looks old and fat. He's not beating people. We don't have any speed. We're soft on defense, and we put so much on our quarterback. When he was playing great, we could kind of get away with it. Now he's not playing very well, and it's all falling apart. Who could it be? That's the mystery. That's what I want to know. Who is the guy who would go on re- well, not go on record, but he's saying that. Do you think it's a player? I want to know if that guy realizes that Antonio Gates played college basketball. Because they never talk about that at all. What? What? It's probably who would it be? I don't know who it would be. Is it? Is it Nate Kading? Is he the one? I was probably Norv Turner looking to get the stink off of him. <laughs> but yeah, I mean Antonio Gates is old and fat. Wow, that's uh, that's bad stuff. Maybe they won't get it done. You know, I think the Raiders look like the best team, and you, it's a real shame if you're a Raiders fan after all you've been through over the last decade trying to stick by that team that they really were looking pretty good until Jason Campbell and now Darren McFadden's down. That that's really not a surprise to McFadden thing because that happens every year, just about. But uh, but I am surprised that two games in Carson Palmer in the first one he gets in there in relief, but and so maybe you can excuse that. But three picks in a game that they had in hand that's that one has to make you sick. Absolutely, and also the thing with the Chargers too is Philip Rivers is throwing way too many interceptions, just like Carson Palmer. 
there's no confidence out there. You look at it. You look at the throws he's making. It's They just don't seem to be in sync. And I wonder, and I put this in my pick six on Tuesday, where I handed out some NFL judgments that the verdict came in and North Turner is not a good fit for San Diego. I have to, I mean, I, I well, yeah. That's, uh, let let yeah. me go back to what you were saying about Carson Palmer. If you went back last year when he had T.O. and Ocho Cinco and they were dreadful coming off that great dream season that they had in Hard Knocks, they were not bad because of T.O. and Ocho Cinco. That team was bad because of Carson Palmer. And he had these great built-in scapegoats because Cincinnati wasn't a national spotlight team. So a lot of people could easily say, so a lot of people could easily say, oh, it, it's it's T.O., it's Ocho Cinco. But if you tortured yourself like at least I did, unfortunately, in watching those Cincinnati games, Carson Palmer was an absolute mess at quarterback. And now he's with Oakland, and he wanted all that big contract. And to throw that many interceptions, it has nothing to do with him being rusty. It has to do with the fact he's just not that great of a quarterback. Well, who's the – so it really makes you think, who's the, who's the best QB in that lousy division? Phil Rivers – Past deeds obviously would win it, but this year he's been atrocious. I, I will take Phil. Matt Castle. Is Tim Tebow the best QB in the <laughs> West? My goodness. It's it's real. I mean, I, I say that jokingly, but I bet you there'd be plenty of people. If, if we put that to a poll, not while well, people who listen to us know we disparage Tebow quite a bit, but if you put that up as a as a national poll, I bet you Tebow would win well, that one look, at this point. Probably. I mean, Tebow winning a poll where he can be voted on by his, uh, by, by his, his, follow- yeah, his zealots his and followers. Look. You're going to put a lot on Phil Rivers for what happened in Kansas City. He had an interesting game, but he had, the, he had his team in position to win. And I have a really hard time questioning the overall value of Phillip Rivers because he fumbled a snap. He's not like Tony Romo, who's just a walking disaster, who screws it up more time than he does it. It was a freak play, and you can overanalyze it and overanalyze it and point to his interceptions. But the bottom line is they were a freak play, a missed snap away from being five and three. Well, and you take the, a look at who else Chargers is way under Norv. True, but you can't put that on Norv, and I think you're going to get yourself in trouble if you overvalue a freak play as being a I don't definition. Think, I, don't, I don't think assuming that the Chargers can't win with Norv Turner is getting myself in trouble. I, think I'm I don't in think so shape, either. Uh, betting on that. Okay, so Handsome Hank, listen, it's been a pleasure to have you stop by. I appreciate you doing that. And uh, on your way out, though, how do you feel about the Dolphins' first win? Any sort of uh, conflict internally with them having the inside track, you would think, to Andrew Luck. Would you rather them lose right now, or, do you, or, or did you like seeing them get the victory? Uh, no, I like seeing them get the win. You did? I mean, I, I, I think I probably, before the game, wanted them to get Andrew Luck, but actually when you see a team, your team win after they've lost that many games. Eight consecutive wins. My prediction yeah, comes not. true. They go eight and eight, squeak into the playoffs. It's not over. It's the not dream's not dead. It's not how you start. It's how you finish, Adam. Yes. The team will rally to win Sperano's job. There was a great yesterday in the Sperano press conference yesterday morning. One of the writers asked him, and I think they asked him seriously, are you worried at all that the team might get overconfident now? And he was actually asked that yesterday. <laughs> That's excellent. Too bad that uh, the NFL doesn't operate like the Big East does, and you could just move the uh, you could move the Miami Dolphins into the AFC West. Right. I love I love that the Big East now has B, is, is about to have BYU. <laughs> That's terrific. When I think of the Big East, I think of uh, Utah. Perfect. <laughs> so, all right, handsome Hank. Good luck with the uh, with the Dolphins the rest of the way here. Thank and let me say for the record, I think that I uh, am with uh, with what Handsome just said there. I think that you think I'd like to have Andrew Luck, but 
at this point in the season to, for your team to lay down would be would be more upsetting, even if it does cost you Andrew Luck. You know, you you, you can't abide by your team laying down for the rest of See, the season. See, this is maybe where, the last two weeks of the season, but not at this point. Look, I don't know if this is the transition into where we start talking about college football or not, but it's not. We're going to do the fans, NFC. Get your own fans show. are misguided. You know, so you want to feel good on a Saturday, on a Sunday. You won your game. Now you're going to once again line up for next year to have your head pounded in, maybe win three games. You need to lose. It's okay to lose. You're fine to lose. In the long run, it's more fun to win sustainably. I mean, great. So the Dolphins are going to be 2-14. and 14. They're going to miss luck. But you had those two weekends where you had, you know, you got to be giddy because you won, and then next year you're going to stink yet again. Isn't that what it's all about? No, it's that's not what it's all about. I mean, if you can you say suck on this air, if you suck, just suck and own it. That's it's fine. fine. But there, you know what? But there's no guarantee that Andrew Luck's going to be as great as everybody thinks he is. They could end up with Matt Barkley, possibly. Ugh. They could end up with the other USC lineman. Is it Khalil or whoever it is? And you put him opposite Jake Long. That makes your quarterback better. There's lots of th- it's not like Andrew Luck's the only guy who's in the draft next year they could be fine they could do well why not i mean take matt barkley see how that works out be how great. do you well what i don't want to get into the college stuff but you watched him play against stanford and that wasn't his fault that that team didn't win and you know what if that receiver was smart enough to fall down in the middle of the field matt barkley wins that game usc wins that game and then that turns everything upside down Listen, we'll get to the college football in just a minute here. But now let's talk about the NFC. And uh, so we're pretty off base is the bottom line on our AFC picks. But, you know, we're not doing terribly. right. Mm -hmm. Um, In the the NFC, here's the big proclamation. I know that it's easy to get caught up in this. I've been talking about Aaron Rodgers forever now. Uh, Show after show, year after year now. Obviously, the Packers, we both had them rank as the number one seed coming out of the NFC. That's going to come true. What's further? Get ready, everybody. Drum roll, if you please, there. Black tie. Here we go. The Green Bay Packers are going to go 19-0 this season. I said it. I said they're going undefeated. Shoo, how say the evil computers? Not happening right now. Uh, we have them at 14-2. Reason being, and this is where you'll start yelling at me, making fun of me, but the way it works with compounding probability on a multiple of eight makes it almost impossible for them to go. This undefeated. was me in statistics class in college. Why do you book a statistics guy if you don't want to? If this you is, want to snore through the answer, this is the part of Terminator where I walked back to go get a snack. <laughs> Blow stuff up. <laughs> I mean, look. Um, the the more Green Bay wins, the better AccuScore has uh, an opportunity to be in the media, which is lovely. But even if they're ninety percent favorites from for the next eight games. That 10% multiplied by 8 means that they would only be have a compounding multiple of having a very small probability of winning all their games. Each time they win, it gets that more, it increases that much more. Well, the caveat, though, I, I, I hate when people make this caveat, well, assuming they're in good health. But really, after what they did last year where they lost so many essential players on both sides— the only guy, you know, uh, uh, the caveat I must say is assuming Aaron Rodgers stays on the field, obviously. But let's say he does. I, I see no reason why, and people keep talking about the deficiencies in the secondary and everything else. 
Who is going to stop that offense? Answer, nobody. Well, There's no team that can stop that offense. The Niners are great against the run. They're a dominant defense, terrific. Do they have any chance of shooting it out? Does Alex Smith have any chance of keeping up with that Packers defense? No chance. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers will just throw it over their heads anyway. That is that. This, I know people talk about, the Redskins of 83, the Vikings of 98, the Patriots of, uh, what was it, aught six or aught seven, the almost undefeated season. This is the best offense of all time. They don't even run the ball, and this is the best offense of all time. Why? Aaron Rodgers is unstoppable. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Done and done. I mean, he hasn't cooled off since he arrived in Atlanta last January. I mean, when when they went to Atlanta and he was making those throws, he has not cooled off. But the 49ers could be just good enough to press the pace to make Green Bay try to go for an undefeated season because the more the 49ers win, that means the more Green Bay has to win to be able to get that Lambeau home field advantage, which actually does count for something. And don't discount what's happening with the Giants. The Giants are quietly 6-2. and two. That's, a, that's a very good record. There's a huge difference. Already between... done. Already discounted. All right. <laughs> well, I don't think they're going to finish, you know, uh, what, 12-4 and four or even 14-2 and two or even we have them at 10-6. and six. But you're talking about what it takes to press the pace to get to an undefeated team. Also, the big X factor is Matt Flynn is not Curtis Painter. Matt Flynn is a good backup quarterback. He's played well. He's gotten full games under his belt last year, what, at Foxborough Sunday Night Football. He's not Curtis Painter. By the way, do you know what Indianapolis should do? They should put Painter and Manning in the pistol with Manning in, you know, behind Painter. Let Manning call everything. And then as soon as the ball is snapped, have Manning just sprint to the goalpost <laughs> away from the play. What? So that way, and just play with a 10-man team. They can't be any worse. Well, they basically are anyways. And you talk about, like, I'm not joking. The Giants are dismissed. I'm dismissing the whole NFC East. You're not in this conversation. It comes down to three teams because you talked about San Francisco. You talked about their defense. But we're not talking about the team that beat the Packers last year, the Detroit Lions, they've had their missteps. You look at teams, I've likened the Lions to the 92 Cowboys, the team that was coming of age, the team that was starting to get better before our eyes that we saw rise up. Troy Aikman was kind of a, an injury-prone, almost considered a bust because he had injury problems. The team went to the playoffs the year before with Steve Berline as quarterback. Troy Aikman came back, took the job the next year, and they came back. Now, if you look at what the Lions did this year, they started off great, and then they had a couple of missteps against some pretty good teams. And they had it, and they struggled. And then, But if you looked at the Cowboys' 92 season, they started off good. They lost to the Philadelphia Eagles in about week four, week five. And everybody's like, oh, see, they're not that good. It's the Eagles that are the team that's going to come up and be from the NFC East because the, Gi- or the Giants had won two years before the Redskins had won- run the previous year, and now people just assumed it was going to be the Eagles and then maybe the Cowboys down the road. But the Cowboys took those missteps, and then they started putting it together as the season went on because their defense got better and their young players started playing better. That's what we're going to see out of the Detroit Lions is their players are going to continue to get better, and then Matt Stafford's going to get better. The Calvin Johnson's going to continue to cause matchup problems. And when Javid Best comes back and the team's able to reestablish a little bit of a running game, they have what it takes to match up with the Packers. And as a matter of fact, I'm throwing out the 49ers because Alex Smith is not going to compete in a playoffs where you have Matthew Stafford and have Aaron Rodgers. It comes down to those two teams for me. Well, but, but just I, sorry to interrupt you, Shu, but you're 
I, I hear what you're saying, except for the fact that they're going to be a wild card are the mm-hmm. Lions, which means that they're going to have to go on the road for all their games, which means to get to the Packers in Lambeau for this NFC title game. I hear what you're saying, but it but but it just doesn't the reality doesn't uh, doesn't make it very plausible However, that the Lions are going to go that far. Now, and, and when you discount the, the I also want to say when you discount the Giants, now that's doing something at your at your own risk. That I would caution against because we saw what the Giants can do, and that, it, it is similar to what the Lions can do, which is this: teams in the NFL that can get pressure with just their front four are very dangerous, and it, it it's it's a factor that very few teams um, have uh, have on their side. When you're front four and you can just drop everybody else back in coverage, that really hurts any QB. If you're if 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 those guys are enough to uh, to get in the face of the QB, you stand a chance. But that being said. I, and I agree with you. I think the Lions are out there. That Thanksgiving Day game is the most likely game for the Packers to lose because I get this is just my sense. I have no no reason to think this. I have a sense that Mike McCarthy, especially considering they won the Super Bowl already, they won it last year, they're playing a little bit with house money. I think if they get to 12-0, no matter where the Niners are or anybody else, I think they go for it. I think they want I, I think going after that will be important to them. I don't think they're the sort of team that just sits back and says, nah, we want to be right for the more important thing. I don't think they can afford to rhythmically with a passer like Aaron Rodgers, and I think you want to condition yourself to play in those cold-weather games. I don't think that they're going to pull back. There's two thing. The only thing that I disagree with what Adam said is when he talks about when Job Invest comes back. And when you're dealing with a guy with his history of concussions, he's very fragile. And he could be gone at any point in time. I mean, he can get come off the field, get a head slap from, from a teammate, and that could be it for him. Not only has he had concussions, he's had brutal concussions. I mean, his hit that he took at Cal when he laid motionless for 10 minutes, I mean, you can't discount that. There's a reason why he's as fragile as they do, and I think they have problems at running I agree. I think think that is – I think he – unfortunately for him uh, personally, I think he's just about done for as, as a pro football player. And I think that is going to be that that's going to be their undoing too. I know that the Packers don't run the ball very. I, I, although I do think what we saw last year, they were able to run the ball when they wanted to with Starks. I think maybe if they want to turn it on, they can do that a little bit. I, I think the Lions' complete absence of a running game is going to kill them. But so we had the Packers at number one in the conference. Uh, you and I both uh, their rank, but at number two, we both went with the Saints and. The Giants, notwithstanding, I think that those team. I think the Cowboys are halfway decent, and I want to talk about the Eagles. But do you think? Um, I, I think the Saints. I think we're right on with that. I think the Saints are probably assuming that they can uh, steal one this weekend, especially. I think that, uh, that that they're locked into that number two seed. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all, Dave. I mean, we're seven and two this season in predicting Saints games, which is a great number considering we now have them projected to finish the year at eleven and four, sixty-six percent to win the division, eighty-six percent to make the playoffs. Based on the fact that historically, or partly for this season, they show that they're playing to their simulations, we'll go ahead and just give the Saints the South right now. Done. Congratulations, New Orleans. <laughs> well, let me say this, though. I say the, the, that the Saints, I, I feel like, are not necessarily locked in. Maybe I, I misspeak by saying that. But I do think that the Niners are going to lose some tight games just by virtue of the way they play. They're in the weaker division, of course, than the Saints are. But the Saints, all of a sudden, are not in that tough a division. The Panthers are fun because of Cam Newton, but they're not a good team. And I don't like the Falcons. I, I, I stand by what I've always said, that Matt Ryan is not a bad QB, but he is 
barely above average. He is not uh, a world-class QB. And the Buccaneers are finished at this point. I think the Buccaneers are, we, we, they're, you know, they don't have Gerald McCoy now going forward. Um, they're one of those teams that optimally could, you know, get the four-man pre- the four-man front should be able to give them enough pressure. But they've lost too many games now. Josh Freeman has no weapons to throw the ball to whatsoever. They're finished. So what does that mean? The Saints aren't in that tough. Of well, not only themselves. that, they're finished with the Saints. You know, the Saints are done with them. I mean, they're still a team you don't want to play because. You don't want to say wild card because that's associated with the playoffs, but the Saint, uh, the Buccaneers are the definition of any given Sunday. The, that eight and eight team that could win one week and they get blown out the next week. The Saints no longer have to contend with them. And you're dismissing the fact that they're youngry. <laughs> <laughs> I had now you and I both go Philadelphia in the number three seed there, and that's not looking very good. I still think they can get back into this thing. I know everybody's uh, saying that they're finished at this point after losing to uh, to the Bears on Monday night. And um, I think the Eagles can still get into this one, although the Giants are remarkable because they were so destroyed by injury. That's why I wrote them off. I liked the Giants going into the season until they were completely decimated defensively. Um, but obviously they ain't no jive at this point. you got to say that they're a pretty good team. But the Cowboys are the other, they're, they're, you know, the Redskins, okay, they had their nice little September, but they're done for with John Beck or, or Rex Grossman, um, as good as that defense can be. The Eagles and the Cowboys, how say you now, Mr. Shu? do either one of those teams get into the playoffs? Long shots. Uh, we, we'll start with Philadelphia as the bigger long shot. We have them only at 9% to win the division, 16% to make the playoffs. So we have, they have a 7% probability to be a wild card team. They've just lost too many games that they should have went should have won. So if you look at Dallas, they're four and four. I mean, our our season this year with Dallas, we're six and two. So again, we feel like we can accurately project what we think is going to happen with Dallas. About fifty percent to make the playoffs. The biggest problem that I have with Dallas right now is Demarco Murray playing great, injury prone, injury prone. I don't oh, think I, here comes the Oklahoma guy. Why? Okay, he was injured in college every That's single fine. year. That's fine, but I mean they're going to run him. Until he gets, I well, yeah, I, don't know, I hate Demarco will be hate, injured well, no, in three but, games. But you know what? Guys mature as they get older; they become more stable. They grow into their body and things like that. I'm not going to write him off just because he had a few injury problems at <laughs> Oklahoma. As long as he's playing, he's giving them the best option to win. I hope that Felix Jones never sees the field again because Demarco Murray has done enough during that job. The one thing about the Giants, though, that we're ignoring, we're talking about their great defense and everything. Eli Manning is still their quarterback. And you can talk about it and be like, hey, you know, he led that rally against the Patriots. Yeah, but if you looked at it, he had that back that back foot throw that should – and if the, the Patriots guy comes down a bit – it's so ironic that it was so eerily similar to the drive he had against the Patriots in the Super Bowl because he threw the pass to Asante Samuel that should have been intercepted in the Super Bowl. He threw a ball that was actually caught by a, a Patriots defender, but the guy couldn't get his feet down, which is why he's a defensive back and doesn't play on the offensive side. That game should have ended right there, but now, now Eli, everybody thinks he's good. Everybody thinks he's – again, it comes back to the argument I was making about the 49ers. You're not putting Eli in a game against Aaron Rodgers and expecting him to win. No chance. He won the Super Bowl by yep. going on the road and doing it. You and can, I think uh, you that, had – Trent Dilfer, the, the, you know, people always point to Trent Dilfer. Eli Manning did not back into it because he had a great yeah, – the, the Giants' defense definitely – deserves the vast majority of the credit for beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl. 
But Eli Manning went on that run and got him to the Super Bowl, going into Lambeau and doing what he did in the NFC title game. And let me tell you, uh, Eli Manning did that. He won the Super Bowl. You I, can, it's I think not you like also he have is, to be careful. With, he's not Matt Ryan. He is better than Matt Ryan. Would you put him ahead of a guy like Matt Ryan? Because yes. he certainly is. He certainly belongs ahead Look, of him. He, there's a lot of We're th- already talking that Matt Ryan's not making the playoffs. So it's fine. Yeah, he's better than Matt Ryan. He's better than other he's better than Kevin Cobb too. Okay. <laughs> There's Cobb. a lot of guys. He's better than Tavares Jackson, better than Sam Brown. Okay, yeah, I could name a lot of curtain jerkers that he's better than. But when you start talking about the elite quarterbacks, he's not better than Aaron Rodgers. And But nobody's he, better than Aaron Rodgers. Okay, and that's fair. But and you talk about he made the run to the play. Brett Favre threw that game away. He threw away that NFC championship game. I'm not giving that one to Eli. I mean, he made the throw to Tyree again. Another ball that should have been intercepted. That anybody and there was like eight holding penalties that weren't called in that play. I'm tired of it. I'm but wait, just, didn't Eli lead the drive to that led to Lawrence Tynes missing the field goal that would have won it in regulation? What? Okay, still, it was a Brett Favre game. No, no, no. He, <laughs> shoot, 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 shoot. Keep it up. Okay, you know what? Put keep back in Eli Manning. That's that's fine. I I know. It passes the I just think test. that I just no, I, I don't think he passes the eyeball. No, he's test, a skinny guy. I, That's it, why you who, don't with have bad body in. language, but I think there comes a point where you either have to decide as an analyst that you're either process based or results based. And you can't say, you know, I hate Eli's process, but I'm results based with Rivers. And you know, Rivers process is equally as bizarre. He dropped a ball that would have made him five and three on a snap. You know, Eli got lucky, too. You either got to be a results-based person or a process-based person. And uh, Eli's process is really weird, and they win games. All right, listen. I still I had the Falcons sneaking into the playoffs in the preseason projections, which, by the way, we'll put up on uh, davedamashek.nfl.com, uh, black tie, please, um, when we post this podcast here so you can review those. But the Falcons, I think they still do get in, but I think that we've talked about the best teams in the NFC and the uh, the question remains there, Shoe. Do the Cowboys or Eagles, either one, get in, yes or no? I'm going to say no. Who, I'm gets, s- who gets the two wild cards in We're going to say Detroit, and we're going to say Atlanta. We're going to say Detroit definitively, mm-hmm. over 50% Agreed. chance. You get into a situation where Dallas is 15% for the wild card, Philadelphia is 8% for the wild card, and Atlanta is 19% for the wild card. So and, it's it's a it's, it's a close call, but we think Atlanta is going to do it. They don't have to play as many good teams down the stretch. And rank, I said your NFC picks are pretty good. You went Packers one, Saints two, Eagles three. All right, I take it back. That's not uh, probably going to work out. Then you went Cardinals four. That's bad. And then Lions and Falcons, though, at least as far as the wild card goes, you mirror what the shoe and the AccuScore says. I said the Cowboys at five, and I'm not uh, I'm not willing to declare them over and finished yet i said the eagles though would uh finish at number three my my gold star pick of the nfc side was to say that the niners were going to win that division easy to say now well that wasn't that's not that crazy a pick everybody was taking the cardinals or the rams there i told you the rams would be one and six that's exactly how they started the season so i was right at least on that one your super bowl pick captain rank the new orleans saints over the san diego chargers Probably not looking as good as my pick of the Packers over the Ravens. Who, which one? Which one's a little closer to you, Shu? <laughs> I, I just go ahead and uh, you know give uh, Rodgers the championship belt again. I don't see them losing. I mean, they're so good and they're so fun to watch and they're diverse and they can out. They they're just going to outscore you. 
And I don't see a team. You're going to have to come up with a pretty good game plan if you're from the AFC. And the only team that I look at from the AFC who can create a pass rush to disrupt Rodgers are the Ravens and potentially the Steelers. I don't see it happening with New England. Yeah, I kind of wish I could do a do-over. San Diego is terrible. New Orleans, yeah, maybe. I don't I don't see it. You know, you were talking about but going back to Eli, and you want to talk about because you were talking about the Cowboys. I would take Eli over Tony Romo. Like, there's guy, and you know, and you're right, because most of the time I am performance-based, and I look at this stuff, and you just can't deny when somebody wins, even if it's completely lucky every time. But when you look at Eli, he makes the boneheaded plays and still manages to win, where Tony Romo just makes the boneheaded plays and his team doesn't win. His team continues to underachieve. So, okay, Eli, I will give you that. Let me say this to you. If the Bears beat the Lions this week, this is a huge game now all of a sudden, at least in terms of playoffs. I don't think either team is going to win, but uh, is going to end up beating the Packers out, of course, like we say. But if the Bears beat the Lions, all of a sudden they're the team. They're, they're, they're in the playoffs. Can I tell you my X factor to watch out for this year is that Aaron Rodgers has a history of concussions. The Lions are brutal on the offensive, on the defensive front. If there's anything to trip up Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, it's that concussion X factor that the Lions, I don't think, would be afraid to take a cheap shot or do what it has to take to play to the echo of the whistle. Well, listen, I, I, I can't disagree with what you just said there. All right, now, Shu, while we have you in the time remaining, I want to talk, uh, do I go McRib here or, or BCS? Let's talk about, uh, let's talk BCS there. Bam LSU, game of the century, all that. Wasn't rank even the over here. Wasn't even the game of the night. <laughs> rank didn't like, Rank hated that game. I thought it was a fun game. Yes, the performances were shoddy. The kicker, the kicking was atrocious. Jarrett Lee uh, was a little overwhelmed through a, through a little, a, huh? Through at least one, just wretched interception. Like what? What, what were you looking at, fellow? But you know, Les Miles created an environment again where Jarrett Lee didn't have to relax, like he's been relaxed all year against uh, Oregon. It was his team. Against Alabama, he was forced to try to make plays and force issues, and he panicked. You can't take Jarrett Lee out of his comfort zone. Les Miles did it. With Jarrett Lee, you have the ability to turn LSU into a team of playmakers. I mean, I don't really want to analyze LSU because they're marked. They're going to win. They're going to play for the national championship. I think they're going to win the national championship. But Alabama, they're done. Done. Let me tell you this. If, it's a big if, if, here's my next big proclamation. If Stanford can beat Oregon this weekend, mm-hmm. they will defeat LSU. They will go and beat them. That's the team that can play with them. Rugged, pound the ball on the ground kind of team. They can hang with them in that way, and Andrew Luck is superior to what LSU can throw out on the field in terms of uh, throwing the ball. I know LSU's I, I, defense I, I, I is superior. I don't disagree, but you have a situation where LSU's defensive backs are superior to any other team's wide receivers. And the only team that I think that would give LSU trouble at defensive uh, at, with their defensive back is Oklahoma State because they run so many guys with misdirection underneath. But also LSU doesn't miss tackles. So while I think Stanford could be competitive and they have a decided quarterback advantage, it's still going to be hard to throw to guys who I don't think will be able to get open. Well, let me just say this in uh, in overarching terms, whether it's Oklahoma State or Stanford or, or if any team from Big 12 or – or uh, or, or go, goes undefeated, then they have to get. The, then they deserve. Let me take twelve. Look, they need to go to the national title game to play. But that LSU. will happen. That will that will happen. But if anybody, if if there are no other undefeated teams, then I and I don't think I. You know, I Boise State call me a snob and everything else. Boise State, 
has the has the benefit of having played one tough game all season. Whereas these other teams, even 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 playing, you know, if you're the pack, if you're let's of the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve middle of the middle of the rung teams, those teams are better than anyone Boise State's playing. That being said, let's see it. Send Boise State to the national Boise championship. Boise State's not going to the national championship because. All you have to do is take a look at their computer score last week. They dropped point zero point zero two zero points in the computer scores. They're done. They're not going to be able to sustain what's happened. And, Dave, I don't think – Wait, what about when Georgia keeps climbing up the poles? doesn't matter. Georgia's going to end their season in a loss. All right, got to stop it right there. And i gotta, I got to say this for Boise State. And I get it. You know what? These conferences, some are tougher than the others. But you know what? These conferences were drawn up regionally, except for the, the Big East. But – they were drawn up regionally. You play the teams that are close to you. Now, you have this system, system set up, and you, you put the teams out there. Boise State does everything they can do to prove themselves. Teams don't want to go to Boise and play, so they go on the road. They went on the road to Georgia to play the Bulldogs in Atlanta. On the road, SEC team smoked them. Not close. Not a, hey, you know what, they miracled. No, smoked them dominated them and that's the best team in that division of the sec and they're going to go to the sec title game and boise state pounded them and i don't want to hear any excuses about well if they were in this country, it doesn't matter if you can't win your division or excuse me if you can't win your conference you don't deserve to be in the national championship talk alabama you had your chance you lost because that's the best thing about college football is that the regular season matters and the teams that win their division should be the ones in line. Now, I understand where Boise State's pecking order is. If there's an undefeated Pac-12 team, they should get in. If Oklahoma State's undefeated, they should get in. But if there are two undefeated teams left, and it's LSU and it's Boise State, Boise State should be in the national championship game. I don't disagree with you, Adam. And I think that I you... completely agree with him, as a matter of I, fact. I, I... And let me just say this, and then, Shu, I want you to go into your explanation. Okay. It's a corrupt system, obviously. We, we understand that at this point. But let me just say this to defend what my, my point about the week after week of being in the SEC, Big 12, Pac-12, Pac Big 10, so on, is that the difference is for Boise State playing Georgia, that is their season. They know that's their one game. For Georgia, they have a more measured sort of approach going into that game. They're, this is an exhibition for them as they get before they get into the much more important conference games. This game was everything to Boise State, so, so, so their approach to it was very different. As a matter of fact, I'll draw an analogy between the way the Baltimore Ravens approach a Steelers game and the way the Steelers approach a Ravens game. But well, I, let me I say kid, but about, yes. Now, look, shoot, make you, your point. You're not, Georgia did not lose to Boise State because their priorities were... Uh, not in order. They lost because they're not nearly as good as Boise State. That game was no accident. The outcome was no accident. The secret's out on Boise State. Yeah. You can't be like, oh, we had no idea. And they're not gimmicky. They're better than most teams in college football. They're worthy of their ranking. I mean, but let's take a look at it. The way, the difference between, there's a huge disconnect from the great points that Adam makes between the way that college football is run. And the problem is the majority of college football fans don't understand the rules. If you're an Oklahoma fan and you're saying, I hate Texas and I hate Oklahoma State because they're your rivals, you're an idiot because you need them to win. If LSU, what L LSU, they're fine. As a matter of fact, LSU was in really good shape to be able to play for the national championship again had they lost because of Arkansas, because Arkansas is a one-loss team. So if you take a look at how it works, the most important thing to understand about college football is how the equation works. 
when Oklahoma lost in 2003 into Kansas State and did not win their conference but was able to get into the BCS championship game to play LSU, they got in because it was all weighted on the computers. What they did is they said, we're going to retool the system so the human vote counts two-thirds. And what they were saying is, if you lose your conference championship game, you're going to be downgraded so much by the, by the human vote that the, even the computers won't be there to help you. But what they also said is, if you don't win and play the last weekend of the year, there's no way that you can get into the national championship game. So historically what's happened is a lot of teams didn't have conference championship games. The Big Ten is in their first year. The Pac-12 is in their first year of having it. The Big 12 had theirs. The SEC has had theirs. So what happens now is you take a look at the last week of the year, December 2nd, Friday night, Pac-12 championship. December 3rd, you have Oklahoma playing Oklahoma State in Stillwater. You're going to have most likely Georgia play LSU in in uh, in the SEC championship game in Atlanta. Who's not playing that day? So let's say Oregon beats Stanford at Oregon beat Stanford. Oregon's going to play the last weekend of the year. Oklahoma's going to play the last weekend of the year. LSU's going to play the last weekend of the year. And who's not? Alabama. And Michigan, when Michigan beat Ohio State, everybody agreed, let's have a rematch. We'll have Ohio State, uh, we'll have Michigan stay number two. The next week, Notre Dame came to USC. Uh, they were sixth ranked in the country and they got their heads kicked in. USC jumped them. USC would have played for the national championship that year rather than Florida had they not tanked against UCLA. What do you think the value is of Oklahoma beating Oklahoma State with Brent Musburger and Kirk Herbstreet on Saturday night on championship Saturday? It's not enough to say that they're the best one-loss team, but it's enough to take votes away from Alabama. And what's going to happen is let's say Oregon, Alabama, in Oklahoma, all went out. So let's use that scenario. What's going to happen is you're not going to have a clear two, three, and four. You're going to, they're all going to share the vote regionally. So basically what's going to happen is the, the human vote, which counts for two-thirds, will not have a definitive ranking. So they will all basically nullify. You're going to go to the computer polls based on— No, no, no. Let me end all this. Let me just end all this. I follow exactly what you're saying. I hear you. The bottom line is rank is 100% right. If everybody, if, if Oregon beats Stanford and they both are one-loss teams, stay, and let's say LSU beats Georgia and they're undefeated, shame the devil if Oregon, who already lost to LSU, gets to play them again before Boise State does. If Boise State, bottom line is this, if Boise State and LSU or anyone else are the only two undefeated teams left in the net, mm-hmm. in the land, then Boise State must play for it. And I don't even, I'm not even one of these guys who, uh, underdog, I want to see Boise. I, I don't care about all that nonsense. I give credit to Boise State for the Oklahoma win, the great play, you know, the, the Statue of Liberty years ago and everything. Else. I, but, I, you know, I don't think that they have to do what these big conference teams have to do by playing good teams week after week after week and always showing up. Boise State's undefeated. This is the year they have to play. But, Dave, I almost feel like, you know, the Jimmy Fallon character from Almost Famous. And I'm here to tell you that's just not how it works. No, it's no longer about being right or being wrong. Until the BCS contract runs out in 2014, this is how it's going to go. And in 2014, there will be the infancy of a playoff. There will be the Final Four, which will happen. But until then, the only way that Boise State plays for a national championship is if Stanford loses to Oregon, Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State, and Georgia beats LSU. I got it. Here's what you do, and this is what the Mountain West should do. This is what the WAC should do. I would even throw Conference USA. If they're, I'll, I'll take a page out of Mac Brown's book, who campaigned 
to make sure that Aaron Rodgers and Cal didn't get into the Rose Bowl when they rightly deserved it a couple of years ago, and instead the AP voters voted for Texas and whatever. And if I'm a coach, if I'm let's say I'm the coach of UNLV, and it comes down to it, and Boise State's undefeated, the other team LSU's undefeated. I when I turn in my coaches poll, I don't put Alabama on the. I don't. I don't put Alabama on there. I don't put uh, Oregon. I don't. I don't put any team out in the, in the even in the top twenty five poll. Try to get my. I would collude with my coaches in the conference and say, you know what? Let's not vote Alabama. Let's leave Alabama off the poll because the system sucks anyways. Let's make a mockery of it. Let me tell you this. I've suggested this. I think this would take a courageous coach. I suggested this a couple of years ago. If let's say Boise State's undefeated. And somehow, whatever, if it's just unsatisfying to college football fans, the, what the BCS title game is. Let's say it's one loss, Oregon playing LSU again, and Boise State's undefeated on the outside looking in. Les Miles, upon completion of that victory, should stand up there, or Oregon for that matter, should stand up there, and when they give him the glass football, the crystal football, he should pick it up over his head as if to celebrate, and then shatter it on the stage and say, this isn't complete until we take care of Boise State. Come and face us one week from today at whatever neutral site you desire. If you did that, I don't care. Shame the devil if, 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 if NCAA stood yeah. in the way of that. They well, they, say, did, you know they did stand the in the way of it in 1991. In 1991, there was a $40 million offer for the Washington Huskies to play Miami. This it, year it happens. High, this at, year is this is the year. If that happens, I say it every year. But that's what they should do. The big the takeaway point though, Shu, that I'm happy to hear you say. First of all, you predict LSU. That's fine. I say Stanford. Uh, you know, I don't know if they can beat Oregon, but if they do, I watch. Uh, my prediction is Stanford wins the national championship. But the takeaway that's important is I say uh, we've been talking about this over the Stanford weeks here. will beat Oregon. By the way, if well then then Stanford shall win the national t- championship. Done and done. Now. What I was, uh, what what we've talked about is these people who are against these mega conferences don't understand what we're leading to is is a Final Four. That's what we're going to end up having as a result of if that. You, That's going to be good. If you are a college football fan, the m- biggest thing that you can root for is super conferences because it's the That's preamble right. to a playoff because it will eventually dovetail into divisions, which will become quarterfinals, which will then go into a Final Four. You will have a Final Four in place in 2015 for two reasons. Basically, it goes down to sheer economics, too, of what the schools will be able to make. But, two, ESPN is taking a bath with the BCS. There's nowhere else for the BCS to go. It generates $150 million. If there's a rematch of uh, Bama LSU, ratings down. If Boise State LSU, the ratings are down. Well, playing St- the games on uh, uh, on Wednesday night on January 8th yeah. also can't on, help. On, I don't understand there, it, why that happens. Listen, I agree with you about that. So good news on that front. I look forward to the day. The only thing that's bad is you said you're an idiot if you root against your conference foes. That's what's great about college. That's what college has over the NFL are those great regional rivalries, hating those teams year after year. That's wonderful. But I understand. But the, I understand. But, what, the, but the for, point for, for the those certain groups, I know, I know. For I, certain I, I groups, and I'll, I'll take a jab saying. at you. For for guys like me who root for Oklahoma, who are actually in the hunt, need to pay attention. Guys like you who root for Pitt, who are hoping for eight and four seasons, you can go to the mat with yeah, you know hating West Virginia. I'm just saying it's not right morally. That's all I'm telling you. I, I I understand thinking with your head, but I'm just saying morally, it ain't right to ever root for your for, for your uh, for your rivals. There's no, it's never right. It's Black the co- tie. You know cost what I'm of doing business. About. Anyway, listen, shoe. 
Here's the bad news. I want to hear about the McRib, but I really got to go. I'm so, a busy man. I got to go too, Dave. Oh, don't give me, don't, don't patronize me. You don't have anywhere to be. Nowhere. You and Rank could sit here and uh, and pat each other on the back for your wonderful opinions all day for all I care. I got places to go, people to meet, but you, as always, it's such a pleasure to see you. And we can track down uh, those evil computers, their predictions. I encourage you to head over to AccuScore.com. And Shu, how do we track you down on the uh, on the Twitter? Sooner Zach. Sooner Zach. Z-A-C-H. See, he has a vested interest in seeing things fall apart. He, that's why he badmouths Boise State. Look, Rank, final Dave, thoughts. Dave, hold on. Let me go. tell you something. I pray to God we don't make it to the national championship game because I do not want to endure that humiliation again. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, Rank, final thoughts. Here's my takeaway. We need a playoff. We need four major conferences. What is it going to be? Pac-10, Mountain West, SEC, Big 12? Something like that. Not in Mountain West, but... I think you got it, and the and my <laughs> takeaway is the AFC West stinks no matter what Rank says. His Super Bowl prediction of the Chargers is probably not going to come true. And hear me now, believe me later, the Green Bay Packers are going to go 19-0. and So be, uh, be, be on the lookout. Look at uh, AccuScore's evil computers to see if they agree. But all right, listen, we've said it all. Pro and college, black tie, nice job as always. We'll be back for more hooey and applesauce later on. But in the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.